Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Everybody doing well? Yeah, good. All right. Anybody else dealing with any of this uh, like hay fever stuff going around? A few hands. I see some hands. Just, can I just tell you something? I'm not promoting Starbucks, but there's a thing called the medicine ball. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's citrus mint tea with lemonade and it's hot. Oh, I'm just telling you, we're going to pray for divine healing for you and then we're going to give you one of these. Amen. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. So if I'm drinking on this a little bit, that's what's going on. My voice was like almost completely gone yesterday, which is not great when you have to speak three times in a weekend. And, uh, but uh, if you're gonna be kind to me, I don't have to yell so much. Bob, you gonna stay in line today? All right, I won't, I won't have to yell and get you, keep you in line and uh, don't, don't get too excited. This way, you know, I'm not gonna preach for so long. That's good. I mean, I would say great. I don't know about you, but anyhow. So, uh, and then we'll kind of get through it. But uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me to John's Gospel, the book of John, chapter 1. I'm going to look at the first eight verses of John, chapter 1. We're in the second part of this series. Uh, and um, uh, so, Pastor Greg Washington, our teaching pastor here at Life Church, did a great job last weekend uh, beginning this series talking about worship. Today, we're going to talk about the Word of God. And, um, and so if you are brand new in your faith or you're just kind of kicking tires on this thing called faith in Jesus, this is a great message to hear because it's going to be very, uh, very understandable. It's a great on-ramp. But if you've also been running this race for a while and you've been following Jesus for a while, this is also going to be something that I think will encourage you. Probably get in your kitchen a little bit and rattle some pots and pans and kind of spur you on to, to stay connected. Because this is something that we know we need to do. It's a basic in our life. We need to be in God's word on a regular basis. We know that we need that. But many times we just don't, we just don't do it. And I think sometimes we don't do it because we don't understand the power and the simplicity that's there really to minister and to meet the needs that we're facing. And so I, I really hope to be able to show you in a real practical sense, the value of God's word and its effect in your everyday life. That's, that's my goal today. And so it's something to understand about the Bible. The Bible is a big, big, big book. It's a vast book. Uh, it was written over, over a period of 1,500 years um, on three different continents. Uh, it was written, it has 40 different authors written in three different languages. So the Old Testament is primarily Hebrew and some Aramaic. And then the New Testament is Greek. Uh, so it would have been what was spoken of in the day. And so the Bible that you have in your hand, whether it's a digital version or a paper version, is a translation from one of those three original languages. And um, so, so there are things sometimes that are lost in translations. That's the reason why there's different versions of the Bible because it's, it's an attempt to try to make it more clear and more applicable to modern living. And so um, from a New International Version back in the early 90s was a very, was a new kind of a very uh, a new insight. And then in the 2000s, uh, ESV, uh, English Standard Version became something that kind of replaced the NIV. Uh, and so you have all of this and there's all kinds of nuances to this. But, but just understand the different versions of the Bible 
They're all written basically as translations from this original uh, three languages. They're also written in different, if different reading levels. So um, like the NCV, the New Children's Version, or the New Century Version, it's the exact same thing, is written at a third grade reading level. And you may think, well, that's relatively low until you realize that every newspaper in America is written at about a third grade reading level uh, because it's written so that you can read it. And so I read on a regular basis the NCV. I'm just not that smart. And, uh, and so I read that. Why? Because it allows me to be able to just kind of read through it. The NIV is written at a ninth grade reading level. The ESV is written somewhere in a high school reading level. The King James Version is written at a college level because of its old English. So it's, if it feels like you're reading Shakespeare, it's because you are. It was actually trans, Shakespeare was actually one of the translators and, and that was used because it was commissioned by King James and Old English in order to be done. And so therefore it, it feels like that because that's the era and the time in which it was translated. There is not a version of the Bible that is necessarily right or wrong, but authors will begin to nuance on certain words. I'm going to show you this in just a minute and what they mean sometimes. And so there's variations or versions of how to translate from 2,000 years ago to the 21st century. Um, and so, but the, the key to understand this is that although there are 40 different people who write, they're writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so there's one author who is God. And so God, the Bible says of itself that it's God breathed. So God inspired these authors, these writers, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and told them what to write and they began to write these words of God. So that therefore, when you look at it, there is not conflict within itself, but rather it is fulfillment within itself. Uh, which again is a whole nother lecture, not even a sermon for another day. But, but, but Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 16 says that, that all scripture is God-breathed. And all scripture is, is useful in every part of our life. And so that's really what I want to get into because the, the human authors wrote exactly what God wanted them to write. And the result was this perfect holy word of God. And so let's read, and let's begin to unpack this. I'm reading this in the English Standard Version, the ESV, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. But if you want to turn there, I encourage you. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness that he has not over, and, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, speaking of John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not, speaking of John, not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So we know as you read on the rest of John chapter 1, and again, John is one of the Gospels. And quite frankly, if, you ever, if you're new in your faith or you're trying to figure out, do I really believe in, in this Jesus, I would encourage you, read the, read the Gospel of John. It's the most easily read. Uh, it's, it's, it encompasses the, the full Gospel of what Jesus was, what he was about, how he did what he did, and the person of Jesus. It's really more about not just what Jesus did, but who Jesus was and how he works in your life. It's a great, of, the, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're all gospels. They're all telling the story of Jesus. John's gospel talks more about who Jesus was and how Jesus works in your life uh, than, the other, than the other three authors do. 
Um, but he's speaking of this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. He is Jesus. John the Baptist is, an, is a witness of the light, which is Jesus. So I was kind of unpack this, and I want to kind of walk through this passage, because I think this is kind of the essence, the, 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 the baseline, when you talk about the, the biblical basis of the Bible and its function in your life and how this works in your life and the power that it has. This is the reason why it's important to read God's word. The first thing is, is that the Bible helps us know more about God. The Bible helps us know more about God. The more we read God's word, the more we begin to understand who God is and how he works in our life. Um, it's been said in order, to under, to, in order to go somewhere, it's imperative that you have a starting place. And so in scripture, that starting place is Jesus. And that's what John's gospel says. That Jesus is a central character in the Bible, that the whole book is really about him, that the Old Testament predicts his coming and sets the stage for his entrance into the world. And the New Testament describes how he came into this world, how his work began to bring salvation to a lost and a broken world and how it works today. Look back at the first three verses. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And he, speaking of Jesus, was in the beginning with God. And all things that were made through him, Jesus, and without him, Jesus, that nothing was made that was made. This word, the, the, the Bible right here in John chapter 1, verse 1, the, the word, word, help, work with me for a minute, people, right? The word, word, and the original Greek that it was written in, that John would have written it in, is the word logos, and, and logos basically means the written word of God. That's what logos means. Now there's another, so what it's saying there in verse one is that Jesus the written, was the written word of God and that Jesus was in the beginning and that Jesus was with God in the beginning. What's the beginning? God created heavens and the earth, Genesis chapter one, verse one. And so when God said, let us, plural pronoun, make man, plural, uh, singular pronoun, and our, plural pronoun, image, and likeness. Our being the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So in the beginning, Jesus was there. It's a trinity. It's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He was there in the beginning. So the Word of God was, is, is who Jesus is. And Jesus was there in the beginning. And nothing was made on this planet that was made without him being there. That he is the beginning. He is the, he's the whole centerpiece of this book. And he's the, he's the soon coming king. He's the ending. And so, so, so when you look at this, the word logos means written word of God. There, there's another word when it says word in scripture, there's a word from God. Another Greek word that's used to, def, to define that, that's called rhema. And a rhema word from God is different than a logos word. A logos word is the written word of God. It's a Bible that you hold in your hand. The rhema is, 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 is a personal speaking of God to you. So from the Logos comes a rhema word. From the teaching of the Logos comes a rhema or a personal word from you. And so you hear Paul talking about the word of God that was sent through Timothy, the word of God that was sent through Titus when he writes to the, to the, uh, to, um, in, in the book of Titus. And Titus is there sent on the island of Crete to, to preach the gospel. The, the word of God came and Paul said, I gave the word of God. And so it's speaking at times, he's speaking about the word, the written word of God. At other times it's speaking of, of this rhema, of this personalized word. Word of God that kind of comes to us as we begin to read God's word. It's kind of like when you read the Bible and there's a passage of scripture that just kind of jumps out at you. Well, you're reading the word of God, the written word of God, but from the written word of God comes this, this 
personal message to you. God's word speaks to you. You know what I'm talking about? Or you're in a service and, and all of a sudden there's, there's a, I'll say something in a service and, and, or, or a pastor will be preaching and saying something in a service and then you'll hear that. And it's something that just kind of sticks in your spirit. It's a word of God to you. Uh, yesterday, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, this has been a crazy couple of weeks for me. And so uh, yesterday I'm, I'm flying home. I didn't get into like midnight last night and, and I've been at two different, uh, uh, two different board meetings and two different organizations that I serve on this week. And, um, and, and I'm just scrolling through that we're on the plane and we're waiting for everybody to board and I'm just scrolling through and, and, and there, there was a prayer request that came up. And, and, and in the middle of that prayer request, I, I mean, I get this all, I mean, I get prayer requests all the time. People, will you pray for this and pray? And I, and I do my best to pray. I don't mean to, to let, but there are some times where it's like, boom, something sticks out to you. It's like the Holy Spirit says, you need to pray for this. This is what you need to do. Matter of fact, I want you to lay hands on this child and pray for this child for divine healing in this child's life. Well, I'm on the plane, man. I'm like, I, man, I've got my headphones on. I don't even know what I was listening to. I think it was some kind of gospel jam was happening. And who knows? And I, I mean, I, on, I just, I, I put there, I'm praying right now. And I began to pray just right there in my seat. It wasn't anything loud. It wasn't boisterous. But I mean, in my spirit, I could just feel God is moving. I think God wants to do something here. That would be a rhema word from God. Because we know it's God's desire to heal. Isaiah 53, 5 says that by his stripes, we are healed. The stripes that Jesus Christ bore in the crucifixion process, you and I received divine healing. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 19, if there's any sick among them, I mean, excuse me, I'm getting my scriptures mixed up. If when you come together and you pray, you, you, two or two or more gather together in his name, there he is in the midst. If they ask anything according to his will, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. The book of James says if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church together, lay hands on the sick, anoint them with oil, and pray the prayer of faith, which means they believe in Jesus, and they will be made whole. You talk to anybody who believes in divine healing, there is this unction, this moving, this rhema word that comes that this is that we need to pray. We pray for everything because this is what we just sang about. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let, let, let there be no separation in the space between God's will in heaven and what's happening on this earth. But there are times where the Holy Spirit will begin to speak. When John's speaking here, he's speaking of the literal word, not just a personal word, but the literal word of God was made flesh. Jesus is not the first thing that was created by God in the beginning. Jesus existed in the beginning. Jesus didn't come about as a babe in a manger. He existed all throughout the Old Testament. Jesus existed with God before time was formed. Jesus was and is eternal. He is God, part of the Trinity. He is here before time began, and he will be here when eternity ends. That doesn't confuse you, just you're smarter than I am. He was and is and is to come. And so it's, under, it's, it's, it's for us to understand that the word of God helps us connect the dots uh, in, in, in our lives through Jesus. That Jesus in the Old Testament was concealed, but in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that says, All scripture is God-breathed, out of God, and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So when we say here, this first thing that the Bible helps us know more about God. The more we learn about Jesus and the more that we understand who he is, the more we understand of his word. And the more we understand of his word, the more we understand of who Jesus is. Because Jesus and the word are one and the same. 
So when you're following Jesus, you're following God's word. That's the reason why God sent his son into this world. He would be an example for us. That's the reason why we're Christ followers. Because we want to follow the Bible, follow Jesus. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say, right? What did Jesus wear? I'm just teasing. But you understand what I'm going with that, right? Amen? Okay, some of you are awake. Okay, good. Second thing I want to observe here is this, is that the Bible is our blueprint for victorious living. It's the blueprint for victorious living. It teaches us how do we live a victorious overcoming lifestyle. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Look at verse 4 and verse 5. In him, Jesus, was life. And the life that was in him was the light of men. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So who Jesus is is the light And that light is a light that shines so bright that the darkness, although it's tried to overcome it, has never been successful at doing so. So if you want to overcome any area of darkness in your life, how do you do that? By following Jesus. Go, that's pretty simple. Yeah, now preaching this is very easy. Living this out is much more difficult, amen? I'd say amen to that. Uh, Jesus not only gives us access and connection to God, but Jesus is a light in which we overcome He's the light in which we overcome the darkness in our lives. I'm telling you, every single one of us deal with something. And that something is different at different times of our life. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's, 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 uh, it's, it's just blatant sin. Uh, sometimes it's, it's lies. It's insecurity. It's, um, it's voices kind of in our head, in essence. It's, it's, um, uh, sometimes it's pride and arrogance that we actually think we're better than what we are. We, we deal with all of these different things that are going on. And how do we eradicate that darkness? Through Jesus. Don't overcomplicate it. Through Jesus. Because of what Jesus Christ did and because of the life that he lived and because of how he lived, he overcame uh, the the darkness in this world. He overcame every sin that you and I will ever face. And he did it victoriously. And, and, And when we go before him, we have someone that understands that. That's the reason why. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, 15, and 16 says this. Since we have a great, speaking of Jesus, high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, our profession of faith of him, right? For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That means exactly what that says. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace... So just draw closer to Jesus that we may receive mercy and find grace to, to help in the time of need. Jesus has faced every single sin without committing it, every single temptation without falling to it that you and I have, yet without sin. That's amazing. I mean, like anytime I'm going to do something in life, I want to find, I get a coach I get someone who's been there. I want to talk to someone. I want to talk to a guide. I want to go with someone who knows what they're doing. I've been in some crazy remote parts of the world. I want to know, have you been there before? Because apparently if you've been there, you've come back alive. So you know how to go in, you know how to go out. Amen? I mean, I just, I just, that's just, I, I, I want to know, I want to be with someone who can tell me, hey, is this safe to eat? Is this safe to drink? Is this okay to stay here? Where do we stay? What do we do? What do we not do? How do you do this? You know, I, I, I want to go with someone who can lead me. I don't want to go with someone who, well, you know, sometimes people come back and sometimes they don't. I don't want that guide. You know, I don't want to fly on an airplane that uh, we were on a trip one time and, and, um, and this airline, Buddha Air, which is up in Tibet and northern India, uh, two weeks later, the exact same pot, the exact same plane, they crashed. I don't want to ever fly Buddha Air again. You know what I'm saying? 
No? I mean, maybe, maybe you got more faith than I do. I just don't, like, I, I man, I just, this, I, I want to know it's proven. And when I follow Jesus, I know that I'm following someone who has faced everything I'm facing and been successful. That's why I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you really want to know the reason why? It's because I think that the very best way to live this life here and now is to follow God's word. Do I always do it? Nope. Do I make mistakes? Yep. Do I sin? Yes. And thank God that I can boldly go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace. And I can draw near, not have to run away from. Why? Because Jesus understands what I was tempted with. Jesus understands what I was dealing with. He knows because he faced the exact same thing that I did. He didn't fall prey to the sin or the temptation or the weakness, but rather he navigated it. So Jesus, how do I do this? Give me strength. Let me be like you. Show me what to do. Show me how to navigate this. Show me how to go through this. That's the power in that, is that he's experienced everything and encountered everything, yet has been sinless and overcame. He gets it. I love what John says in, in chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said this, I have said these things to you, that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So when I am following him, go back to John chapter 1, verse 4, verse 5. When I'm following him who is the light, and that light is a light that the darkness has never overcome. I'm with a winner. And as long as I follow him, as long as I keep my ears tuned to him, as long as I keep my eyes on him, and if I fall and if I falter, I can go to him and receive the grace and the mercy that I need and have confidence that he understands, that he's not going to reject me, he's not going to shame me, he's not going to shun me, but he's going to forgive me. I'm going to follow him because he has overcome this world, which is what I'm trying to do, what you're trying to do. Every week you go to work, whether you've got an aspirational job and career or whether you're just trading dates for dollars, you want to overcome. How do you do that? The more successful you become, the higher up you go, the more difficult it is to stay on top. The success, the success journey on the way up is way more exhilarating than trying to maintain that, that level. So Jesus helps you on the way up. Jesus helps you on top of the mountain. Jesus helps you even if you're walking down the other side. We're all facing things that we have no control over. We'd like to think we do. But there are things that happen in our life that we have no control over. And whether we are a victim or a victor is a decision that we make. Are we going to follow Jesus and we're going to lean to his word and lean to his understanding? Or are we going to succumb to our own pressures and internal issues? How do I do that? By keeping my eyes on him because his light has overcome this darkness and the darkness has never overcome that light. I'm gonna stay with him. I'm gonna lean on him. When there's things I don't understand, I'm gonna trust in him. When there's things that don't make sense, I'm gonna trust in him. When it doesn't work out, I'm gonna trust in him. When I'm trying to navigate success, I'm gonna trust in him. When I'm trying to stay on top in my game, I'm gonna trust in him. When I'm trying to be what God's called me to be, I'm gonna trust in him. Because I'm telling you, the longer you live this thing out and the longer that you follow Jesus, it's not just automatic. It's not just getting saved and you're safe. It's now living the journey. 
So the reality is, is what I was tempted out in my 20s is radically different than what I'm tempted in my late 40s. Totally different. And the enemy of my soul and your soul has a trophy room with a lot of famous people with their heads mounted all around that room who have fallen grandiose in style. And unless my head be mounted in one of those trophy rooms, I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus because I'm not good enough in myself. I'm not strong enough in myself. I'm not smart enough in myself. I don't have enough character that I can just grip my way out. And I'm pretty type A and I'm pretty driven and I'm pretty focused. But what I know is that I don't have enough light generating in me to overcome the darkness. The darkness will eat my lunch. I have an enemy and so do you who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's taken down a lot of people greater than me. But I do know one that he's never taken down and that's Jesus. And Jesus is the word made flesh. He was there at the beginning. He was there in the middle. He's there at the end. He is the light. And the light that is in him is a light of men. And that light is a light that the darkness has never overcome. That's the power of the word. I love how David frames it in Psalm chapter 119, verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I have man I sin against you. Blessed you, O Lord, for you teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare the rules of, of, of your mouth. And, and in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all the riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. Again, it's the same. It's speaking of Christ here. So it's one and the same. God's word. Logos is the same thing as Jesus Christ made flesh. It's the word made flesh. Psalm 119, 105 says this, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lastly, the Bible is the ultimate job description for every believer. It shows us what we should do. Look at it. Verse six through verse eight. Verse six through verse eight. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. Speaking of John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Who's the light? It's Jesus. The word made flesh that all might believe through him, through Jesus. He, John, was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, which is Jesus. Our responsibility as Christ followers is to do that, to be bearers of the witness of the light. It's literally one beggar to another beggar where to find food. Let me tell you about this man named Jesus who changed my life. How, how, how are you successful in your business? Well, I'm just going to tell you. I do this, this, and this, but at the basis of all this, I build everything upon God's word. Why? Because God's word and his people are the only two things that are eternal. Everything else is going to pass away. So if I'm just trading days for dollars, I get lost in that. But if I realize that what I'm doing leverages and I flip that and I use it for eternity, it's a game changer. How, 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 do, you, how do you and Tammy stay connected and committed in a marital relationship in a world that, that doesn't happen? Are you, are you perfect? No, Tammy is. I'm not. Good answer, amen. <laughs> no, we make mistakes. 
quite frankly, parenthetically, I think people that say they never fight are lying. Can I just be honest with you? Or, or they don't speak, one of the two. So it just doesn't happen. I think healthy relationships, you're going to have conflict. As iron sharpens iron, so as one man sharpens another. There are disputes. There are times. We see this see with the disciples and Jesus. No, it's just that she and I are in a committed relationship, and we've decided that it's going to be the commitment that makes the love last, not the love that makes commitment last. And that commitment is predicated on what? God's word. Because my feelings and emotions and her feelings or emotions are very fickle, but God's word is yes and amen. It's the same today, yesterday, and forever. So why is it that you raise your kids? How is it that you do this? And, and because, again, I think you have to have a value system. What are you going to base your value system? I want you to know. It's pretty limited because the older you get, the more you learn, know that you don't know everything, right? If you want to know everything, ask a 16-year-old. Amen? And every 16-year-old said, that's right. But the further you get away from that, the more you realize, I, I just, I don't know. I got more questions. I don't really completely understand why this happens or how this happens. But what I do know is that God's ways are higher than my ways. I do know that God wants good for my life. And I do know that his ways are they're not always fair, but they're just. Because fairness entered in the garden, but God is just. I deserve death, but I get life. So I go back to, it's his word. It's his word. It's his word. I, I was thinking about this the other day. How many times, it's, there's an old song that we used to sing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to say, just to know, thus says the Lord." Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. The longer I do life, not pastoring, just living on this planet, the more I realize that if I was left to my own self, I'd make a lot of mistakes. I'd go left a lot of times when I should have gone right. I would make a lot of really poor choices. And the things that I really think that I want are not really what I need. And in the end, will eat my lunch. But the more I lean, not to my own understanding or to my own wisdom, but I lean to him, his word, his understanding. The more it proves to be the right way and the blessings of God flow over and over and over and over in my life. The more that I understand that he really wants good for me, his word is there to be a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And if I'll just simply trust Jesus to be a lamp to my feet where I'm walking and a light to where my future is, the more I'll be able to do what he's called me to do. And I don't just mean that in a sense of, of, of ministry, because I think we're all called in ministry. Some of you are called to vocational ministry, as am I. Some of you are called to the marketplace. Many of you are called to the marketplace. Most of you are called to the marketplace. Quite frankly, most of the people in scripture that you read were called to the marketplace. They were not pastors. Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel was a, he, he, he was a, he was a, a politician of sorts, if you want to. He was in government. He was never a pastor. Yet he prayed three times a day. M Moses was a leader. He was never a pastor. He was never a priest. He never even atoned for the sins of Israel. Abraham was a businessman. 
who was so diversified in his portfolio, if you began to look at it, of the cattle that he had and, 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 the, and the, the, the businesses that he had and what he, they trusted God. How do you do that? Through his word. Romans chapter 12, verse one and two says, I appeal to you, Paul says, therefore brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and testing what you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what we're called to do. We're called to live our lives as followers of Christ. We're called to be as John the Baptist was, a witness of the light. That's our responsibility. And the mark of maturity in the Christ, Christ follower's life is not how much you know, but it's how much you serve. Again, I'm not concerned about how much of Bible knowledge that you have. I wanna know how much of that are you living out in your life? I wanna know not how spirit filled are you, but how spirit spilled are you? Because I know a lot of people that know a lot of chapter and verse, but they don't ever tell anybody else. They don't ever live their life. You wouldn't know they were a follower of Jesus Christ unless they had a bumper sticker on the back of their car. Ouch, whoo, got in somebody's big kitchen. No, no, we should be able to see it at how we deal with people at Pick and Safe, at, 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 at Quick Trip. When you're in Panda Express and they run out of white rice, had me the other day, I was like, are you serious? Would you like some lo mein noodles? No, I want white rice. We got fried rice. No, I want white rice. You know, I want white rice. In that moment, I had to say, look, my witness for Christ is greater than this white rice right now that's going in with my orange chicken. It was a spiritual battle. I've not always won that battle. My wife said, that's true. I just heard her right now. I'm telling you, I'm not the most spiritual guy in the world. I'm just saying though, but I just think, what would Jesus do? He would just, he would eat lo mein and go on. I think that's what he would do. But I'm not Jesus. No, I'm just right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's the problem. And the problem is, is it's gotta be less of me and more of him. In the beginning of all of this was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. And Jesus was made flesh for you and for I. Not just so he would die on the cross for our sins and we could have eternal life, but so we would have an example of how to live life today. That's the value of God's word. That's why we read his word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you today for your people. I thank you today for the simplicity. And I thank you, Jesus, for being such the example and helping us to understand it. Thank you, God, that you've given us this collection of 66 books under the inspiration of your word to the Holy Spirit to 40 authors over hundreds of years to compile this book called the Bible. God, let us lean so heavily on your word that if it were to move, we would fall. Help us to trust in you, Jesus. Help us to trust in the word, which is one and the same. In Jesus' name, amen.